Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Read with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. We are talking to a writing phenom, Jeffrey Archer. If you're a fan of the William Warwick series, well, the latest chapter of the story is out. We won't have any spoilers on the show because I love unraveling a good mystery and I'm just not going to spoil it for you. It was back in 1979 when Jeffrey Archer gave the world Cain and Abel. It is one of the world's top 100 best-selling books in the world. I mean, in terms of number of copies it's sold, it ranks right up there with To Kill a Mockingbird and Gone with the Wind. But he's here today to talk about his latest book, Over My Dead Body. It's a fabulous thriller. Uh, millionaires, murder, high art, all set against uh, the backdrop of London and Geneva. Lord Archer, welcome to Singapore Radio. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Michelle. And thank you for having me on the show. Oh, what an absolute delight. Do you think you will ever set your books, one of your books here in Singapore? Well, it's, it's, it's an obvious question, but I always say to all authors, write about what you know about. So I live in London. I have a home in Cambridge. I have a home in Mallorca. I love politics. I love the United States. If I wrote about Singapore, you would know I knew nothing. You'd you have to come know. and fall I've, in love with us. I've been, I'm falling in love with you, but I call it. <laughs> It, 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 I've been several times. I don't, I admire the country greatly. Mm -hmm. You're very unwise, really, to write about something you don't know about. Mm, I've heard you say that. You, it's like, be a bit like you writing a book about Cambridge in England. Right. I'd have to spend some time there, which I would love to do. Yes, please. Yeah, absolutely would love Why that. Are you okay, so I'm hearing myself in doubles for some reason. Someone's in the background. Someone <laughs> is trying to get rid of you, Michelle. Someone. We've got another person on the show, Alison. So that's all right. That was uh, me talking to Steven Pinker about his latest book, Rationality. So that was a recording. Right. Anyway, back to you, Lord Archer. Let's talk Jeffrey. about this incredibly fun ride of a book. How did it grow out of the Clifton Chronicles? And why is this not a detective story, but a story about a detective? When I wrote The Griffin Chronicles, and the series came to an end with This Was a Man, several fans wrote to me from all over the world saying, we want to know more about Harry Clifton's, because he was a writer, of course, a novelist. Uh, they want to know more about his eponymous hero, William Warwick. So I sat down and thought, I don't want to write a detective story. I want to write a story about a detective. So first book, Nothing Ventured, starts when he's still at school and deciding he wants to join the Metropolitan Police. His father, a distinguished QC, wants him to go to Oxford University and read law and then join him in what we call chambers. But he defies his father joins the Metropolitan Police as a constable on the beat. And we're going to follow him, Michel, from being a constable on the beat in eight books. So it's about him. Yes, there will be a different crime with each book, but he will be a different rank with each book. So in the first book, he is a constable, and uh, then he becomes, he goes from the art squad uh, into the drug squad when he's a detective sergeant, and then he goes to police corruption 
when he's a detective inspector and in this book over my dead body that's just come out he's a detective chief inspector with the task of solving four cold case murders because his commander is worried that if someone murders commits murder and gets away with it they might do it again now my challenge is that the next book he'll be a superintendent and it'll be about royal protection and then after that he'll be a superintendent and a chief superintendent and then he'll be a commander and then he'll be commissioner of the metropolitan police but michel i am 81 and i have got to live to the age of 86 to make sure that he becomes commissioner of the metropolitan police we are all rooting for you jeffrey we need to get to book eight do it for us i'll do it <laughs> for you I want to ask about your your um, process. I see a lot of books behind you. And I wonder, when you are writing your crime fiction, do you also read crime fiction? Or do you you know decide, no, I'm not going to read anybody else's crime fiction? No, no. I, I'm, I don't look upon myself as a crime fiction writer. Cain and Abel is uh, a story of two families. Uh, the Clifton Chronicles is the story of two families. William Warwick's of the story of one particular family. Uh, I don't look upon that. So no, the answer to your question is, I do read a lot of other people's books, usually on recommendation. If someone says to me, you ought to read this, Jeffrey, it's remarkable, I buy it immediately because it's very hard nowadays to get something that, that really startles one or, or shocks one because I've been reading for 70 years. But yes, I do listen very carefully. I do read a lot. I know you have a podcast about books as well, right? I have a podcast at the moment, which has been uh, an interesting challenge to interview other authors, talk to other <laughs> authors, talk to other personalities, try to do your job, Michelle. And I confess I didn't find it easy. Uh, people ought to realize what you do is not easy. Jeffrey, I wish you were my employer, constantly thinking about promoting your characters. You are the best. I love you. I'm glad I got oh, that good. out there. <laughs> Listen, I'm interviewing another author soon, and uh, he's writing about how we are losing the ability to focus for more than, he says our teenagers focus on one task for about 65 seconds. So how have you managed to write page turners that has kept up with different generations? As you say, you're in your 80s now, and you're still writing these books that people of all ages love, including us of this short attention span. I, I, Michelle, I've been very, very privileged and very, very lucky. I say to young people who come to see me about writing, if you're well-educated and you're well-read, of course you can write storytelling is a god-given gift it's like being a ballet dancer it's like being a violinist it's like being an opera singer it's a god-given gift you can't pop to a supermarket and say i'll have a pack of storytelling please and so the answer to your more more important question is i pray every day that it will continue it's been going on for over 40 years now. And I'm bound to say I consider myself very privileged 
I'm very lucky. How much violence does a book need, in your opinion, if it is built on a premise of there is murder here that needs to be solved? It doesn't quite work like that. Because um, I get up in the morning at 5.30, I start work at 6, I pick up the pen, I sometimes know the next page if I'm lucky. If I'm very lucky, I know two or three pages. And then I start praying. And it goes in the direction that the pen takes it. Uh, and I, that is why I fear every day of my life. I almost get out of bed and say, please, can I do it one more time? Because I, I have no planning in that sense. I don't put stickers on the wall so that I know where I'm going. I am an old-fashioned storyteller. I have never in 40 years had a letter, email, or communication that said, oh, Jeffrey, I knew exactly how the book was going to end. Because if I don't know, how can you know? Oh, it's beautiful. You know, a lot of us looking uh, from the outside in to a gifted writer often has this image of you channeling all this work. But we also know there's garden soil hard work involved, right? I read in this book, I think in the first couple of pages, how you go through maybe 14 drafts. So can you talk a little bit about the hard work of writing fiction that's required? When young people come to see me, I say, go to the ballet. And they say, what do you mean, Jeffrey? I say, go to the ballet, see the prima ballerina. Imagine how many hours she has done to stand on that stage as prima ballerina. Then go and see the national orchestra and ask yourself how long the lead violinist has been at it in order to be the lead violinist. Why would it be any different for an author who wants to be number one on the New York Times bestsellers list, number one on the Sunday Times bestsellers list? You think you can get there on talent alone? No, you have to work damned hard. And the, that's the reason I do, as you pointed out, that's the reason I do 14 drafts. It's because the first one isn't good enough. You get the story down that you've got to work and work and work. It's an act of craftsmanship after that. And my publisher will get about the 14th or 15th draft. That's the first time they see it. It's the first time anyone sees it. So I would say to anyone listening to this program, if you're thinking of writing a book, do not show it to your wife. Do not show it to your husband. Do not show it to your best friend. They will lie. Tell, show it to someone you trust and say, get someone to read this who's never heard of me, never seen it, and let, give, ask them to write one page on what they think about it. You may get the truth. So beautifully said. Is it important to protect your gift, though, until you've got that as close to perfection that you deem the book to be before you show it to someone else? That's a very shrewd comment, because if... if someone criticizes the book, if you've done 14 drafts, at least you know it's the best you can do. If it then fails, it's because you're not good enough. But don't, for heaven's sake, hand in the first draft and be surprised when someone says, this is not very good. At least make sure the first person who sees it sees the best you can possibly do because they can't read it twice. 
they will have an impression after the first time and it would be disaster oh i've made it a lot better i've worked very hard would you read it again no they will not see the ch they won't understand or see the, the changes so i beg any writers out there go on until you're convinced it's the best you can do words of advice from the master himself lord archer your your protagonist is a rising star um what is his genius? Why is it he's able to solve crimes nobody else can? Uh, that's a hard question to answer as well. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, word it a different way, Michelle, and see if I can okay. fully understand. Where did you want us to focus on in terms of his genius is he a deductive reasoning savant uh, is it his intelligence you want us native intelligence or is it his his ability to tune into it you know, I, I think it's instinct? probably a, a combination of all those things mm -hmm. i think you've got to believe i once uh, they did a survey on my writing without my name on the cover and uh, it was an interesting idea. They gave it to, to 100 uh, cross-board, young, old men, women. And they asked what they thought. And they came, and I thought they'd come back, Michelle, saying, I loved the storytelling. They didn't. That was in second place. The top thing was they loved the characters in the book. They loved the people. So they love William Warwick. They love his wife, Beth. They love his children. They love the commander who runs the show and is very tough. They love the, the rogue, Miles Faulkner, who's trying to dethrone him. And I then realized that actually why people go back to a book or go back to an author, yes, the storytelling is important, but character is the number one thing. If they don't love, if you have turned 20 pages and you'll have done it, Michelle, with all your experience and thought, Oh, I don't give a damn about these. They can all jump over a cliff for us or like you've lost. You've got to have them rooting for the hero and after the villain. And if they're not, you failed. This is why I cannot watch Squid Games on Netflix. Have you watched that series? No, uh, 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 I know I, I'm with you. There are no. there are television series where after five minutes, I say, or 10 maybe, I say, I can't bear that. And then some of my friends said, have you seen it? It's absolutely brilliant. And I think, well, and the thing about that you have to remember, Michelle, is that there are lots of things that people like that maybe not things you like. Right. So for example, uh, my readership is 60% women and 40% men. So, and indeed, uh, when they did the survey on me, 90% thought I was a woman. Now, I found that very flattering, very flattering indeed. But the answer to your question is, yes, I was, even yesterday, I was told uh, a television series I ought to watch by one of Britain's leading entertainers. And I came back and told my personal assistant, Alison, she said, you won't like it. So the answer to your question is, yes, we all have our own likes and dislikes. And there are some things I love, and I, I have been among the best things I've ever read or seen. And there are others where I haven't always agreed with the people who are raving about them. And that's why this is so special, 
because you keep building characters that people love around the world in millions so how do you do it i mean do you basically write with the kind of character that you like or with that audience in mind that audience profile it's likely a woman i wish i could answer that question i really do i sit down pick up the pen and pray with Cain and Abel, which changed my whole life overnight, it was about two people, one man born in Europe, in, in a forest with nothing, the other born in a hospital his father had built in Boston. That's all I knew at the beginning. And I, I, I wish I could say to you, oh yes, it was, I understood, oh I knew it was, oh yes, mm, yeah, the answer, I hadn't got a clue. I kept turning the page and taking Cain and taking Abel to the next stage. I didn't even know where they were going. And when it came out and sold a million copies in the first week, no one was more shocked and surprised than me. Goodness me. Can you tell us if, um, uh, take us a little behind the scenes. Have you ever struggled with editors or anybody? I know there was uh, some controversy about a title once that was changed that you didn't yes. like. Well, only because the Americans didn't understand it. Uh, I, I wanted to call one of my books In the Lap of the Gods, but the Americans didn't understand what the expression meant, whereas it's a very British expression, so I had to change that to Sons of Fortune. But the answer to your question, is edit the answer to your question uh, Michelle, is editors are very important. And I had a very great privilege with Cain and Abel. I had J.D. Salinger's editor, edited Cain and Abel. And I was with him for uh, uh, three weeks, going over page by page. He didn't write a word. That isn't what editors do. But he pointed out where I could go here and where I could go there. It was, a, it was like having a tutorial at Oxford with a senior don. It was a very great privilege. He then edited my next five books before he sadly died. And I suppose I didn't realize how important and how brilliant he was until I saw he got a full page obituary in the New York Times and saw the other authors that he had been advising. And I'll, if I may, Michelle, I'll give you an example. Okay. When I first wrote Cain and Abel and handed, the publishers purchased it, they gave it to the great man, Corley Smith, and I had written 120 pages of Abel and him arriving in the United States. And then I'd written 120 pages of Cain and them meeting. And he rang me. I'd not even met him. He rang me and he said, Jeffrey, when I came to the end of Abel, I didn't want to meet Cain. And he said, when I came to the end of Cain, I didn't give a damn about Abel. I tell you what I want you to do. I want five pages of Abel, five pages of Cain, 10 pages of Abel, 10 pages of Cain, 20 pages of Abel, 20 pages of Cain, 30 pages of Abel, 30 pages, and then they meet. Now that's brilliant editing. He didn't write one word, but he spotted when he read the script that I could make it so much faster and interesting if I kept doing it a tiny bit more until they actually met. Then the story goes, of course, in a totally different direction because they only meet once and it changes their whole life. So I, I, I've great respect for editors. They shouldn't write a word. That isn't their job. But because they come fresh to it, 
They may see something you miss completely. And certainly Corlees Smith, I thank him for that. In fact, my, my publishers teased me about it years later when uh, the book had gone to number one on the New York Times. And they teased me years later and they said, Jeffrey, every five books we're getting now is five pages of someone, five pages of someone else, 10 pages of someone. <laughs> so not only, not only had me made me do it, but others were the, copying his very clever idea. <laughs> well, kudos to you as well. I mean, first of all, it's amazing to hear about the sort of collaborative, a special collaboration between an amazing best-selling author and an editor, but for you to be open to taking that on as well. I mean, clearly you respected the man. Well, I, at the time I was in my 30s, I was a young man, and he was in his 60s and already respected in New York as a giant, as an absolute titan of the profession. And it did, as I said earlier, Michel, feel like going to a tutorial at Oxford and having a senior don taking you through your essay and explaining what could be done to make it better. I did feel like a child at his feet. But during that period that I worked with him for five or six years, by the end of it, I think I can honorably say he pretty well taught me everything that he could. He was, he was a good teacher and doing five books. After that, I felt a lot more confidence that I could actually, I understood uh, the craftsmanship of writing. Uh, but he said, and it was famously reported in the New York Times when he was asked, what is the difference between a great novel and a, and a great editor. And he said, the first draft. Oh, and of wow. course, yes, no, he admitted he could never write a book to save his life. Oh. And he wasn't, he wasn't envious and he wasn't, you know, that didn't worry him. That isn't what he did. And he knew he couldn't write a novel, but he knew he could take someone like J.D. Salinger and sit with him and make it better. Gosh, well, thank you for bringing another character to life for us in this interview, really. Before I let you go, and I have a thousand more questions, but I'll just end with this last one. Do you really write in longhand? Yes, I write with a felt tip pen. Uh, I, I, anyone who's watching this carefully, don't ever buy a biro, they're a waste of time. Move smoothly across the paper. I, I, I then hand it to Alison and she, after I've done three drafts, I hand it to her. She types it up triple spaced and then I use a pencil to carry on. So I, I can't type. I, I can't use, you, you saw Michelle, although the people listening to this didn't, she put me on the screen this morning. She set me off. She wound me up and then I'm able to talk to you. So no, I'm, I can switch a light on. I, I promise you I can switch a light on. And I can even, my wife says I don't switch them off enough, but I can switch them on. But no, I'm useless at anything mechanical. So I'm very happy. And when I write letters, I write them with a fountain pen because I think it's more courteous to write with a fountain pen. Yes, I am old fashioned and I intend to remain old fashioned. Well, we hope you stay as special as the way you are forever. It's been such a joy, Lord Archer. Thank You're you for kind. joining us. You're very kind indeed. Thank you very much, Michelle. Have a great day ahead. You too. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.
Available on Google Play or the App Store. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.